series talking about the prophet Elijah. Quite an interesting life, and we're not going to go through his whole life, just for a few years of it, not today, but over the next couple weeks probably. Um, But today we're continuing to look at the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, we see that because of the sins of the kings, various kings of Israel and the sins of the people of Israel, God spoke to the prophet Elijah and he said, go to this, the king, whose name was Ahab, and tell this king, the God of Israel says it's not going to rain over the next few years unless I say so. Not the next few weeks or months, the next few years. And I, I say that, but let me, let me just throw this in here. When we read the Bible... One of the most important things we can do is to put in context what we're reading. We really need to do that because some people take stuff and they read it in the Bible, and because they take it out of context, it doesn't make any sense. So let's put this into context. First of all, I want to point out that King Ahab was a really wicked king. He was truly a bad person, a bad person. In fact, if you go back to 1 Kings chapter 16, we would see that Ahab was not just any bad guy. He was a second-generation bad guy. His father was a bad guy. So with that that in mind, let's look at this situation again. God tells Elijah to go to this wicked, horrible king and say to him, because you're evil in the sight of the Lord, there are going to be some serious consequences. Specifically, it's not going to rain until Elijah's God, the true God of Israel, says so. Now, at this point, I, I don't know what ran through Elijah's mind when God told him to do that. I can only speculate what would have gone through mine, and it probably would have started with, um, yeah, but. Just being honest here. But regardless of what Elijah thought, he did what God said. And there are probably times when we feel like God speaks to us to do something, like he did with sending Elijah to talk to Ahab, and rather than just doing it, we tend to say, Maybe, first of all, are you sure, God? Maybe you want to get a cup of coffee and think that over and get back to me? Because we just don't like it. It's not that we're not sure God's saying that. We just don't like what he's saying. And we might think, or we might even say out loud, that if God said it, then then it's okay. It's the right thing. Regardless of how awkward or uncomfortable that it might seem at the time, and there are times, even in the most sincere Christians, those who are, are really on fire for the Lord and who are really following after the leading of the Holy Spirit, and God says something to us that seems so outrageous that we just aren't sure if we heard that right. But if God said it, it's the right thing. We can trust him. So what kind of things does God speak to us to do in our day? Well, he might speak to us to go speak to an evil king, but that's probably not likely. It's probably more likely that he would cause us or call us to go witness to someone, to share the gospel with someone, to pray with someone, to pray for someone. Um, And that prayer might be during your normal time of prayer, when you have your, your normal prayer time during the day, and God lays somebody on your heart to pray for that person, and so you just stop whatever else you're doing, and you pray specifically for that person. It also might be when that person is standing right in front of you, asking you to pray with or for them. Maybe it's at the mall. Maybe it's in a grocery store. 
But the key here is that if God says, pray for that person, then pray for that person. Now, before you go up and lay hands on them and start doing whatever, don't do that. Ask, would it be okay if I pray with you? And if they say no, go, okay, not a problem. But if they say yes, which they will more than, more than not, then pray with them. If God led you to do it, be assured that he will be in it. And you don't have to wonder what's going to happen. God might also send us or call us to send a card, an email, a text message, a phone call of encouragement to someone. Maybe God has spoken to someone here today, whether you're here in person or watching online, about a particular area of service at High Point Church. Maybe you've looked around recently and said, wow, someone sure needs to do that here at High Point Church. If that's you, my advice would be to spend some time in prayer. You might discover that God would speak to you and say, why don't you let it start with you? You make that first step of obedience. You make that first step. And by faith, if you will do it, I will be with you the whole way. And, and let me just say this again. Before we say, I sure wish somebody would do this or that, we need to realize that there isn't anyone here today named somebody. But all of us are somebody. Think about it this way. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. There is something that you can do for the kingdom of God. There is an endless list of other things that God might call you to do. But regardless of what it might be, let me assure you that if God speaks to you to do it, like he did with Elijah, to go and do something for him, he will work through you to accomplish it. Many times we hear a sermon like this, and the first thing that comes to our mind or out of our mouth is, well, I, I can't do this or I can't do that. And we go automatically to the things we can't do. But let me stop you right there. God knows what you can or can't do. You know why? Because he's God. So he's not going to ask you to do something that he doesn't know that you can do. So if he calls you to a particular calling, be assured that he will be with you through all of it. Paul wrote in, in Philippians 4.13, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Maybe you can't, but I promise you, based on what the Word of God says, he can. And if he can, then he can work through you to accomplish what he wants to call you to do. Not only can he do it, God also knows exactly how he will accomplish it through you. But as it was with Elijah, it begins with us saying, I will go. If we don't ever make that first step, Elijah could have sat around and said, God, you know what? Ahab is a wicked man. He's a horrible person. I've seen some of the stuff he's done. And that idea about making it not rain for three years or until you say so, I think that's a fantastic idea. That'll teach him. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go over here, and I'm just going to wait and see what happens. But you just go ahead with that plan. And you go, well, that's crazy. But we do the same thing. What did Elijah have to do? The first thing he had to do was say, I hear you, Lord. And the next thing he had to do was turn the direction that wherever Ahab was and start making that first step. And that's all that God asks of us. If he calls us, he will be with us to accomplish what he has called us to do. I believe that often the problem isn't that we can't as much as it is we never have. 
And when I say it's not so much that we can't but that we never have, I don't intend for that to sound mean or insensitive. Rather, I mean it to encourage us to look at the uncultivated abilities that we do have before we say we can't. We don't know what we can do until we step out in faith with the leading of the Holy Spirit and do what God calls us to do. God did not save anyone to be a lifetime pew sitter. We are all called to some type of ministry. Maybe it's not a pulpit ministry because there's just not enough room up, up here for everybody. But he has called all of us to do some type of service for him. Now, before you say, well, I'm not sure what I agree with you on that. Let me say that we were all given a great commission by Jesus. A command in Matthew 28, 19 that says, go out into the world and make disciples. That's not for me alone. That's not for any one person. That is for everyone. We are called to be disciples, and then we are called to go and make disciples. And that task is absolutely impossible without all of us who have been saved, without all of us have started down that road of becoming a disciple, and we've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, without all of us doing something. I'll also tell you this. There are things that you can do that you didn't even know you could do and will never know that you can do until you step out to do what God has called you to do. Let me say that again. There are things that you can do that you didn't even know you could do and will never know that you can do until you step out to do what God has called you to do. In 1990, there was a man named Danny Simpson. He robbed a bank in Ottawa, Canada. If 24-year-old Danny would have known more about guns, he would have realized that he didn't have to rob a bank. Here's why. He was eventually arrested for robbing this bank of $6,000. As a result, he went to jail for six years. While Danny went to jail, his gun went to a museum. The gun that Danny had used in this robbery, this is a true story, y'all, was a 45 caliber Colt semi-automatic, which turned out to be an antique gun made by the Ross Rifle Company in 1918. The pistol was worth somewhere around $100,000. Several times more than Danny got through the bank robbery. If he would have known what he had in his hand, he would not have to have gone out and robbed a bank. In other words, Danny had everything that he needed. He just didn't recognize what he had. Now, while that story is not overly spiritual, I hope it will cause us to stop and think that maybe there is some talent or ability that we didn't even know we had in our hand. Something that if we are obedient to God, he can and will be there to help us unleash that talent or ability in order to accomplish what he has called us to do. I think too many of us are walking around with something very valuable. And instead of using what God has placed in our hands that is very valuable, we're picking around at little tiny things. Just like Danny Simpson. In another place in Philippians, Paul wrote this, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If God began a work in you, there is a promise that he will help you to carry it on to completion. He didn't just start out and say, I need you to go do this. And somewhere along the way, he goes, well, you're doing pretty good. You just take off. You're doing good. You go by yourself. 
No, he says that he will be there to completion. Maybe you're not a trained Sunday school teacher. Maybe you're not a trained youth leader. But if you will do your part, God can and will give you the words to say and the ability to do what he calls you to do, if that happens to be it. Maybe you're uncomfortable with witnessing. But if you do your part, God will place the right people to come in front of you and cross your path and give you the right words to say. Whatever reasons we might have that would cause us to say we can't do what God has called us to do. I can assure you that if we will do our part, God will do his part and give us the ability to accomplish it. Even when you don't realize what you have in your hands, be assured that God does. So use what you have and watch God bless it. So back to Elijah in 1 Kings 17. As we saw in a sermon a couple weeks ago, it seems that breaking the news about that whole it's not going to rain thing and the subsequent famine really didn't make Elijah very, very popular with King Ahab. So God told Elijah, you know what, bud, you need to move on. We also saw in that sermon a couple weeks ago that God told Elijah to go to the place where he would lead him. And during this time of, dr of, dr of drought and famine, he would take care of him. The first place that God led Elijah was to a place called Kareth Ravine. And the, by the Kareth Ravine, there was a brook. So that solved the water problem. Remember, it wasn't raining. There was a drought. There was no food. But Elijah had water. So verse 5 says that Elijah stayed there. And then with the water issue handled, God took care of Elijah's food needs by sending ravens to him. Not just any ravens, but ravens that brought him bread and meat, not once, but twice a day. So he had food. He had water. Everything that God had told him to do, if you will go to the Kareth Ravine, I will take care of you. And he did, and God did exactly what he said he would do. Now, I don't know the specifics of how ravens do that. The Bible doesn't say but however it happened, I, I can assure you it was nothing short of miraculous because that's just not a common occurrence. If you continue to read through the 17th chapter of 1 Kings, you'll see that eventually the brook in the Kareth Ravine dried up. But, 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 I did what you said. I went where you said go. And sometimes that happens to us as well. And just because things change, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. Instead, it usually means that he has something else in store for us, something more than a Kareth Ravine experience. But it requires us to follow him once again. As great as that Kareth Ravine experience was, God said, I've got something even better. So Elijah goes to a place called Zarephath. We read in verse 9 that God told Elijah, I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. Now, at this point, God did not say that she had agreed to do it. At least not yet. He said, I told her to do it. And even though Elijah wasn't sure that she was going to do what God told her to do, he still went. And we didn't dig into that this part of the story very deeply a couple weeks ago, so... Today, I want to look more closely at the details of what God did here. So sure enough, Elijah gets to the gate of the city. He meets this widow woman who was gathering sticks for a fire. He asks the woman to bring him some water in a jar so he can have a drink. There's a famine going on, folks. There is a drought. It hasn't rained. 
All the crops are dead. Nobody has water. And here's a stranger walks up to this woman at the gate and says, could you bring me a drink of water? But this woman didn't question his request and said she turned to go get the water, but Elijah wasn't through with his order. He says, oh yeah, and, and by the way, when you come back with my water, please bring me some bread to go along with it. Now I will tell you this, if anyone ever had the right to say, I can't, it was this woman. Look what she says in verse 12, and this, this proves that she had a right. She says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour. A handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home. Remember, she had a handful of sticks. I'm gathering these sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. These people were desperate. This was their very last meal. She knew there was no more. I'm going to go home. I'm going to, I don't have a loaf of bread. I have a little bit of flour, and we're going to eat our last meal, and then we're going to die of starvation. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do what you were going to do. That's okay. But first, make me a little cake of bread. Bring it to me. Then go back and do something. Mm. Then go back and do something for yourself and your son. Don't be afraid. Look at this again. There is no rain. As a result, there is a famine. People are dying of hunger. And this woman and her son are getting ready to eat the last bit of food they have when a stranger walks up and says, hey, could you bring me some water? And while you're at it, I'm hungry. Would you make me some bread? And then he adds, don't be afraid. I believe Elijah said that because it was obvious to him that this woman was afraid. And why not? After hearing her story, you knew she was afraid. But here's something I want us to see today. Elijah had seen miracles that this woman had never seen. And even though he still might have been afraid too, he still stepped out and did what God told him to do. Elijah was able to go to an evil king and speak strong words to him and say, nothing's going to happen around here until my God says so. It's not going to rain. Everything's going to die, and it's because of you. And then God said, go somewhere else. And he said, okay. And God provided for every need. So Elijah could say to this woman, don't be afraid, because he had been in some scary places. And he knew what God could do. And he could say with confidence to this woman, don't be afraid. And I will say to you today, whatever you're experiencing, whatever is going on in your life, whatever things are, are raining down on you, don't be afraid. Amen. 
I believe fear is the biggest single thing that stops us from stepping out into what God wants us to do. Fear. Another thing that often stops us from stepping out into what God has for us is that we really don't believe that God is all-powerful. Well, pastor, that's insulting. Hold on. If we really believe that God is all-powerful, would we be afraid? Look at this widow's situation. Had it been us, we probably would have said or at least thought, Elijah, or in our case today, God, what part of what I'm saying do you not understand? I told you I only have enough for my son and I to eat one last meal, and then we will be completely out of food, and then as a result of being completely out of food, we're going to die of starvation. So how do you expect me to give something to you and then have anything left over for me? Anybody ever said anything like that to God? Someone's probably thinking, oh boy, pastor's getting ready to take up a big offering. That's not where I'm headed. But you know what? Maybe sometimes we should do it like that. But that's still not where we're headed. But if the Lord leads you in that direction, feel free to drop it in that box right back there. Back to our story. If we really believe that God is all-powerful, that he is in control of every detail of our lives, that he can do anything, then we realize, just as Elijah said to this woman, we don't have to be afraid. Fear will stop you from doing anything that is difficult. When we get to the place of confidence in who God is, it is then and only then that we will step out in faith without the debilitating fear into whatever God calls us into. It might take some sacrifice on our part. In fact, let me assure you that it will take some sacrifice. It might take us doing some things we really don't understand. But here's what I know to be true. God is faithful. He will provide. Watch this. This woman had two choices at this point. First of all, go get her son, eat their last meal, and die. That was choice number one. Choice number two, or by faith, do what the prophet said. The result of choosing to eat the last bit of flour and oil was certain. Absolutely certain. She and her son were going to die. That was a given. There was no more flour. There was no more oil. But there was always that other choice. The choice of believing what God said through Elijah. I love what God said to her through Elijah in verse 14. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run out until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. 
God doesn't call us to go anywhere or do anything without giving, giving us a promise that he will be there through the entire situation. God was saying to this woman, go, take what looks like the last of what you have, be obedient, and I will make sure that you have enough. I will be there. Trust me. And she chose to trust God, and then look what happened next. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah, 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 and the woman and her family. For the jug of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord, with the word the Lord had spoken by Elijah. When we are obedient to what God says for us to do, we can trust him. He will never abandon us. He will never lead us to a place where he cannot take care of us. If God says go and do it, then go and do it. Whether it's a call to speak to the most evil king who has ever lived, as was the case with Elijah, or whether it is to go and pray for with the homeless guy at the gas station. If God says to do it, then go do it. Be obedient. Listen to the call, and then step out in faith. Those are the three things for success in a Christian life. Be obedient, listen to the call, and then step out in faith. If you leave out any of those three, it doesn't work. You can be obedient and listen, but if you don't step out, it won't work. You can, be, you can listen to the call and step out in faith, but if you're not obedient, it's not going to work. And there is no other combination of those three things that will work unless it's all three things involved. Use what is in your hand. Use what you have. If it's only a little, use it however you can. God will give the increase. Don't be a spiritual version of Danny Simpson, the guy who used a $100,000 gun to rob $6,000 from a bank and went to prison for it. In the New Testament, you go, well, that's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, here's 5,000 plus people. Anybody here have any food? Jesus, anybody? Anybody? Food? One little boy. I have this lunch my mom packed. And we would have went, seriously, kid? There's 5,000 plus people here. That's all you got? I'm looking for something better. Anybody else? I've still got my lunch back here. But Jesus didn't turn him away. He said, bring that to me. And he takes this little boy's lunch few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. We're not talking fish like this. We're talking sardines and biscuits. Okay? If you're from the south. And the Bible says that Jesus took that and he blessed it. And he told the disciples, okay, you guys come over here. Start passing out this little boy's lunch. And you know they're going, oh, boy. Especially Peter. And they take this little boy's lunch and they start breaking it up into pieces. And not only do they feed 5,000 plus people, they had leftovers. Use what you have. When God says, just give me what you have, give him what you have and let him do with it as he will. 
I'm going to go over here and talk to myself for a little bit this morning. How many times have we missed out on the blessings that God wanted to pour out on us because we weren't willing to give him what we had or willing to use what he had already given to us? More often than not, when God calls us, somebody's not going to like this, more often than not, when God calls us, he calls us to sacrifice. Sacrifice does not come from abundance. Sacrifice comes from lack. Sacrifice comes when it's not comfortable. Look back to this lady with Elijah. She wasn't given from abundance. She didn't say, hey, I've got 50 barrels of flour and I've got 300 jugs of oil. What do you want? How big a cake you want, Elijah? I'll make you one as bigger than you are. She did not give from abundance. She gave from sacrifice. She gave the last of what she had and stepped out in faith and God came through. I will tell you that Elijah probably wasn't very comfortable going before a terribly wicked king and delivering the message of God is going to punish you because you're so wicked. And he's going to continue to do so until I say otherwise. That's not comfortable. The widow woman, knowing that there was a famine in the land, probably wasn't comfortable making some bread from her last bit of flour and order oil and giving it to somebody she never even met before. But God was faithful. God provided for Elijah because of his sacrifice and obedience. And God provided for the woman because of the same reason. She was faithful and she was obedient. I'm not talking about money here. It could apply to that, but that's not what I'm talking about specifically, it applies to every other resource that we have. Our time, our talent, and on and on. The widow could have eaten the last of what she had and she and her son would have died. But because she was obedient to God, God provided for her. In the middle of a famine, she and her family and Elijah had all the food they needed every day. And life was good for everyone. Well, except that verse 17 says, sometime later, the woman's son became very ill. In fact, it says in verse 17 that he grew worse and worse, and then he finally died. And when that happened, she went on a rant against the man of God. Verse 18, she said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? The very same person that had spoken life into this family, the very same person who had gone out of obedience to her just as God had said and had made sure that she was blessed when nobody else was being blessed, now all of a sudden she's saying, are you just here to kill me? But, but it's not fair, Elijah. I did what you told me. Your God was even blessing me with this whole flour and oil thing. So I thought we were good. And now this? 
Realize this. God's promises still had not changed. He said what? You and your family will have food. You and your family included her son. The famine was still going on. God was still doing everything he said he would do. He was still providing flour and oil. Even in times of blessings in parts of our life, we can also have some other life stuff that happens in other parts of our life. But here's what I know from this story in the Bible, from my own life, and from the testimony of others. Even in those times, God is still there. Elijah probably understood this better than, than this woman realized. After all, after he went to Ahab, God gave him the news of this famine. God provided for him with food at the Kareth Ravine, and then the brook died up, dried up. But in spite of that, God did not abandon Elijah. He just told him what to do next, and Elijah did it. So Elijah understood the concept, but he also stood, understood that the same God who did all of that for him was the same God who provided food for this woman and her family during a terrible famine, and he was the same God that could heal her son. If I can trust you to save me when I stand before an evil king and give him some bad news, if I can leave and go over here into a ravine and trust you that you'll provide water and ravens will bring me food and ravens will bring me bread and meat, and then that goes away. And then if I can trust you in the middle of a famine to go to another town and meet a complete stranger and have all the food that I need, if I can trust you for God, for that God, then I can trust you for this next thing. But like we often do, for a moment, this widow woman forgot all about what God had already done. She forgot about what he was still doing because she got so focused on what was happening right now. And if you're listening to this and you're getting ready to shake your head and go, geez, lady, how could you do that? Seriously, stop and look around at what God has done for you and your family. You guys are the only people in town that had food. There's people over there starving. And now you're complaining? Before you head down that road, let me just say stop it. And I always say that for one reason. Far too many times, as soon as we face a difficult time in life, we forget everything that God has already done up to this point, what he's doing right now, and all we're thinking about is the problem that's right in front of us. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me? What do you have against me, man of God? You just here to kill me? Not one thought about what God had done and was still doing. And we yell, maybe not at the man of God, or some people do that too, but we yell, what are you doing, God? Are you trying to kill me? Don't let the negative circumstances of today cause you to forget the goodness and faithful of faithfulness of God yesterday. If he was good to you yesterday, he's still a good God today. Well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, 
and he'll be the same tomorrow. That means if he was good to you yesterday, he's good to you today, he'll be good to you tomorrow. Trust that. That's the word of God. That's not from me. That's from the word of God. So once again, back to Elijah. Elijah told the woman to bring the boy. Bring the boy to me. And even though she was still mad at God and she's really mad at Elijah, she did what Elijah said once again. Sometimes when things go really bad in our lives, we can get really mad at God and even get really mad at the pastor. But in spite of how we're feeling, we still need to follow the plan that God places before us, even though to us it makes no sense. So Elijah lays the boy on the bed, and he asks the Lord to let the little boy's life come back into him. And in verse 23, it says, The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the little boy's life returned to him, and he lived. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. For us, and when I say us, I'm talking about us individually and as well as a church. But for us to experience what God wants to do through us, it will require sacrifice. It'll be coming to church when we don't feel like it. It'll mean giving when we really don't have it to give. And I'm not talking about being silly. I'm, I'm talking about within realism, real, being realistic here. If you're you know, have infectious pneumonia, I don't want you here. Okay. But it will take sometimes stepping out when it's not comfortable. I could tell you some stories of some stuff that was going on when I stood right here in this pulpit. And preached. And it wasn't comfortable. It will require us stepping out and stepping up into things that might be a little uncomfortable. And here's why I say that. Comfortable rarely produces greatness. In fact, I'm going to step way out here. Comfortable never produces greatness. It will require us to be obedient to God's calling on our lives, believing that if he calls, he can and will provide for us and keep us. It will require us to be willing to follow the leadership of the church. Hold on, I'm not talking about doing stupid, unbiblical stuff here. But I do believe at times, God will speak to the leadership of the church and say, this is what you need to do, and this is what I want you to say. I know without a doubt, there's been times when I've stepped up here, and that's exactly what God said to me. Tell the folks, this is what we need to do, and this is what I want you to say. And I will assure you that I will never step into this pulpit and say something like that if I am not 100% sure that God has spoken to me. Okay? Once again, I'll clarify. I'm not getting ready to suggest we all buy matching jogging suits and tennis shoes and wait for a meteor to hit and go out in the fellowship hall and drink Kool-Aid. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if I hear from the word from God and it matches up to the word of God, it will never go against the word of God. But if it can be matched up to the word of God and I stand here and say, folks, this is what I feel like God is telling us to do, then 
We need to follow the leadership of the church. But I believe there are some things we need to do. Maybe things we have never done before. If we really expect God to do what we say we want to see happen at High Point Church, we can sit back and say we want to see things happen. But unless we're able and willing, forget the able part, unless we're willing to step out of our comfort zone, unless we're willing to sacrifice, we probably will never see that happen. We can pray and we can be sincere, but it is people, that would be us, it is people that God uses to accomplish what he wants to accomplish because God works through people to accomplish what he wants to see happen. Yes, we need to pray. Yes, we need to seek God. But we also need to go and do what he calls us to do. It might mean stepping up our personal evangelism. By that, I mean stepping up our efforts of inviting people to church. It might mean that we step into a role here at church that we've never done before, maybe teaching Sunday school, meeting with first-time guests in the hospitality room after service, helping with following up with those first-time guests once they walk out the door to try to stay in touch with them. It might mean coming to Bible study on Wednesday night or volunteering to help clean the building. It might mean fasting. It might mean coming out to the church at some other regular scheduled prayer time and praying, volunteering as an usher. And there are a whole bunch of other stuff that I could tell you about. You just get with me. We must be willing to step out of our comfort zone and be willing to do whatever it takes to get to where God is leading us because if we don't do that, we will never see all that God can do through us. I want High Point Church to be a powerful church. I want it to be a place where, where people come here and when they walk through the door, they know that they are in the presence of the Lord. I want to see people who walk through the doors of this church and know that they are loved. No matter what kind of life they're living out there, when they walk through the door, they know that we love them. And sometimes that will take sacrifice. Sometimes that won't be comfortable. But it's going to take that. We will never see all that God wants to see happen in our lives and here at High Point Church until we get to that place. It is time to stop being afraid. It is time to trust what the Word of God says. It is time to believe that the Word of God is for us. It is time to believe that the Word of God is for each of us. Not just someone that sits over there, or not just someone that sits over there, but for everyone in this place, the Word of God, what it says, the promises found in the Word of God are for you. Everyone who's watching online, everyone who is in this building, the promises in the Word of God are for you. And here's an example of some of the promises of the Word of God. Isaiah 41.10 says this. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you at my righteous right hand. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by petition and prayer, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And look what he promises. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. John 14, 27. 
Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And in Psalm 55.22. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never... Never let the righteous fall. That is from the Word of God. And that is for you today. Believe it. Step out. Step up. And watch what God can and will do in your life. Step out of your comfort zone. Step out by faith. And watch what God can and will do through you. Not in your own ability. I'm not asking anyone here today. And I would never ask you to do this in your own ability. Because if you do it in your own ability, then it's probably not of God. I'm saying follow what the word of God says and step out saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we do it through the strength that, we only, come, that only comes from Christ. Would you stand this morning? Lord, today we are we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for your promises. Lord, I ask today that you would help each of us to realize that these promises are for us. This is not for someone else. This is not for another church, another group, another, another individual somewhere. But Lord, that everything today that we have heard is for us. It's for me. Increase our faith. Lord, help us to trust you in those times when we just don't feel comfortable. Help us to trust you anyway because we know that you never fail. Help us to know that if you have ever been good to us in our life, that you are still good because you don't change. Remind us of these things, Lord. Remind us of the promises in the word that are to us that you will be with us. Help us to listen to your voice. Help us to hear as you call us. And help us to respond and go. Help us to step out from where it's comfortable. And Lord, I'm believing that as we pray these things today, we will start to see lives change here. And as a result, we will see lives changed through what we do as we step out. And we'll do it all for your glory, not for ours. And Lord, we will give you praise. We will give you honor because you're such a good God. Thank you, Lord, for these promises today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Worship team, let's let's sing something before we're dismissed.